Happy New Year and welcome to season two of Let's Cook. I'm your host, Chef Ty. On today's show, we have our special guest, Dr. Claiborne Chow of the University of Penn of Pennsylvania. And our topic today is COVID-19. Should you or should you not get the shot? I also welcome your questions and comments, so please email me at radio at thaisofood.com. That's radio at T-Y-S-O-U-L-F-O-O-D.com. And please send me an email. Let us now tune in to our show. Free B. Charles. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um, before we get started today, how, pe- how can people listen and contact you? Hey, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm Claiborne Childs. You can uh, find me on Twitter. Uh, it's Dr. Childs MD. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. That's uh, C H I L D S M D, Dr. Childs MD. <laughs> Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I have that information listed on my website so people can reach out to you. Um, before we get, engage in the meat of our conversation, give our listeners some of the training and experience and education and leadership. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you for having me on today. Um, so I'm originally from California. Uh, I came to the East Coast for undergrad. I, I did my college uh, at Yale. Um, in between college and medical school, I was actually a high school teacher in New York. Oh, wow. And I got a master's. Yeah, I got a master's degree uh, in microbiology from uh, Long Island University in Brooklyn. I uh, did medical school at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. Came back to New York area for residency training. I uh, did my training at New York Presbyterian uh, Wild Corner Medical Center in Manhattan. Uh, I worked at Montefiore for a few years after I finished from residency. I was a primary care doctor there and then came to Penn in 2017. So now I've been here in the Philadelphia area for uh, the last four years. Um, I'm a hospitalist. Uh, sometimes yeah. that I have to explain to people what a hospitalist is. Okay. Uh, essentially, if you're admitted to the hospital for something that is non-surgical, uh, I'm a doctor who can take care of you. So people come okay. in for infections, for heart failure, for uncontrolled diabetes, any of those kinds of things that you get admitted to the hospital for. Mm-hmm. Um, as a hospitalist, I kind of specialize in taking care of you while you're admitted and you know successfully get you out of the hospital uh, and hopefully back home. So um, I wear a few hats at Penn. Yeah. I'm a medical director for our hospital medicine service at Penn Presbyterian. I'm also uh, an associate program director for um, diversity and inclusion in our residency program. And also I do some diversity work uh, in my division. So I'm happy to be with you today. <laughs> You've been very busy, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you wear many hats. It's out of curiosity, what grade did you teach in high school when you were teaching high school? Uh, I taught high school uh, ninth grade biology uh, and I taught sophomore, junior chemistry. So I taught uh, bio and chem for, wow. those, uh, for four years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I commend you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just going to ask you some basic questions for those who don't understand, um, you know, what these terms mean. So the first question I have for you is uh, for those who us to hear the word FDA, what does that mean? So the FDA is the uh, federal, uh, the federal, sorry, the Food and Drug Administration. I keep wanting to put federal in there. It's a federal agency. Um, the FDA. It's been around for you know over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you just a little bit of history uh, and sort of some context for the FDA and sort of why it was founded. You know, a long time ago, um, you know, you could put a label on a bottle of apple juice and say mm-hmm. that it was a remedy for you know, the flu, right? Right. Um, right. Things were not regulated. Uh, you know, there's the old expression that people, you know, someone's a snake oil salesman. So there's someone right. who's just right. out there, you know, bottling stuff and saying it's a, it's a cure and selling it. 
Um, around the turn of the century, um, in the early 1900s, uh, Congress packed the, passed the uh, Pure Food and Drug Act, okay. which essentially said that um, for companies or for you know pharmaceuticals or for people to sell things and label them, they have to actually work. They actually have to um, be you know have some efficacy in the area or whatever it is that they're supposed to treat. That's so it. essentially, yeah. yeah. So essentially, the FDA was essentially founded the early. Um, Began the FDA, it was called the Bureau of Chemistry, which then about 20 years thereafter became known as the FDA. Okay. Um, and so their real role is to sort of be the regulatory body. Mm-hmm. So they regulate food, they make sure that food is safe, the food that we consume in grocery stores or you know, food that you buy from a you know a local shop or something you might buy from a farmer's market. Right. Uh, that you know, these things that they're you know maintained safely, that the milk you drink from this grocery store is pasteurized, that it's safe to drink. Right. Um, and then there's also the drug piece, right? So the other part of the name is the is the drug uh, administration. So it's making sure that you know if uh, Johnson and Johnson or Merck or some other company wants to put a drug on the market to treat a medical condition. Um, that that drug is safe and that that drug actually works. Okay. And so um, the FDA is really there to regulate, and make sure that these, you know, these drugs and these, you know, things that are out there on the market um, are actually working the way they should be working. And there's a process, right? So right. for a drug manufacturer to put a drug out there and say, we're going to use this drug to treat diabetes, for example, or treat high blood pressure, there's a process you have to go through. They have to submit data to okay. a board who then has to review it and then sort of say, you know, yes or no, uh, this is safe. You can now market it as, as what you've said it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to treat. Um, you know, this process can take uh, up to about 10 months. Um, so, okay. you know, the process normally uh, takes almost a year or so for a drug manufacturer to or a company to submit an application for this okay. for them to be approved. Um, obviously, with the COVID vaccines, this process was sped up. And so that's what we have, which is called emergency use authorization, which is the FDA sort of shortened the time from 12, 10 months down to, you know, a matter of weeks Okay. before they were able to say, you know, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, we need to get this, you know, vaccine out there for people to use. So um, the FDA is really kind of there to be the regulatory body um, of all the, you know, the food that we eat and sort of the drugs that, that people have to take. Well, you answered my second questions all in that one brief thing. So <laughs> why the FDA is important, but you, 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 you blitzed through all that and just, to why this agency is so important to us. Um, we welcome your questions and comments, so please email me at radio at thaisofood.com. That's radio at T-Y-S-O-U-L-F-O-O-D.com. Um, Dr. Charles, here's another question that I have for you. Um, another basic question that I think is important. What is the CDC? So the CDC is the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, this com- this uh, organization is also a federal agency. Uh, it's been around for about 75 years. It's based in Atlanta. Um, the quick historical note I'll mention about the CDC, it sort of was born out of uh, the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, the CDC was initially an organization uh, meant to sort of control the spread of malaria. Okay. So uh, we tend to think of malaria as a, you know, a problem that happens in like tropical areas. Uh, back in the 1930s and 1920s, you know, there were outbreaks of malaria uh, within the southeast of the United States, along sort of the Gulf states, right. uh, where things are also kind of tropical, especially in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, from that sort of, you know, experience of them trying to sort of stamp out disease and control it, um, there was sort of a, uh, an opportunity for that organization, that early organization to sort of continue 
and to sort of work along the lines of controlling preventing disease in the population. So uh, the CDC was basically founded kind of in that post-World War II mm-hmm. um, kind of time period. Uh, and really, you know, their job in the, CC, in the CDC is part research. So they do have researchers at the CDC that are researching, you know, learning more about medical conditions, uh, diseases and things like that, mm-hmm. but also the policy piece. So we talked about the FDA being the regulatory. So I, I tend to right. think of the FDA as saying this is a safe drug to use or this is a safe um, treatment for something. Mm-hmm. I tend to think of the CDC as then saying, well, how are we going to implement that treatment or implement that drug? So they're sort of the then policy, right? So right. we have a vaccine. Who's going to get it? How are we going to distribute it? Mm-hmm. You know, who is highest priority for getting it? Who is lowest, lower priority for getting it? Um, and so the CDC is really there um, for us as physicians to give us some guidance mm-hmm. about how to treat, uh, who to treat, when to treat. Um, you know, the CDC for uh, some of your listeners, if you've ever had to travel out of the United States, the CDC right. is also helpful if you want to know the area of the world I'm going to, uh, what should I be on the lookout for health-wise, what vaccination should I get, what medication should I take to make sure I don't get sick while I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really there, you know, their main role is really in the name, right? It's about, you know, disease, uh, controlling right. that. Um, and really preventing it. So, you know, I view the CDC um, as incredibly important, I think, for us as physicians to really make sure we're not sort of working here in isolation, that we actually have some some guidance uh, in terms of, you know, how to treat our patients. Uh, a sidebar question, like it has to do with the CDC. Who is actually on the panel that helps make these decisions? So the CDC's, um, there's a chief of the CDC that is often uh, appointed by um by the White House, sort of appointed by the president. Okay. And then there, uh, there's sort of a panel of, of scientists and other people who are sort of um, part of the organization that are, that are really there to kind of do the work of approving these things. So those are people that are not really political appointees. They're, you know, they're scientists or people who've worked in the CDC for years okay. um, and sort of work their way up the ranks and sort of then serve in that capacity um, as members of their board or members of different committees to sort of do the approval process. So the scientists and doctors is on this board to make education is a decision based on science and everything. Exactly. They're there to look at all the data and all the, you know, all that's out there and sort of then say, you know, this is what we recommend, um, you know, for prevention and for, you know, controlling a disease. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the big kicker. What is COVID-19 and why is it making so many people sick or even dying? Yeah. So, um, the short answer is COVID-19 is a really dangerous, uh, scary respiratory virus. Okay. Um, the, the science-y sort of nuance answer, mm-hmm. uh, without getting too far into, you know, going back to my like virology classes in, <laughs> in uh, medical school or uh, undergrad, yeah. um, you know, it's, a, it's an RNA virus, which means it sort of falls into a group of viruses um, that transmit or sort of work uh, using RNA um, in your cells to sort of replicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but these viruses, um, essentially all viruses, uh, sort of once, you know, they live in a host, right? So when they spread and move to someone, um, the virus's job is to get into your cells, to replicate and create more of itself and then spread and go into more cells and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then if it's even, and then even better, if it can then get from you into someone else, that process can sort of continue. So, you know, um, COVID-19 sort of got the name, the, the name, if you break it apart, sort of tells you a little bit about it. Um, the co-part is coronavirus. Uh, 
the co and the V, the vid, right. uh, is coronavirus. The D is the disease. Okay. And then 2019 was the year that it was first discovered. So I know that for a lot of us, 2020 seemed to be the year that COVID kind of, you know, came into our, you know, yeah, yeah. came into our world. Yeah. Um, but we have to remember that in 2019, at the end of 2019, it was already sort of spreading across uh, mainland Asia. So um, the name COVID-19 sort of comes from it's a coronavirus that causes disease. It was sort of found in 2019. Another name we use for uh, COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2. Okay. Um, if you go back to the SARS um, outbreak in, um, in Asia, I want to say this might have been around 2010 or somewhere thereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, that was also sort of a similar sort of spread of a virus. Um, it was a coronavirus at that time as well. Um, these viruses uh, typically have sort of an animal, um, start in animals and sort of spread to humans. Okay. And so that's what sort of makes what we believe this version of COVID sort of similar to the one in the past, okay. sort of where it started and kind of where, you know, where it kind of went. Um, but, you know, these viruses are, are really dangerous. Um, yeah. You know, they're people I know initially wanted to sort of compare this to the flu. Uh, I've been a doctor now for about 10 years. Uh, this is not just a flu. Um, okay. I've not lost as many patients in the past year uh, to any year that I've ever been in practice to a flu as I've lost to COVID, right? So, um, this is a much more dangerous virus. We know that um, there are people that are much higher susceptibility for bad outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, it is spreading uh, like wildfire. I know we might talk a little bit later about some of the different strains of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's not just sort of your everyday regular um, sort of respiratory virus. This is one that um, has spread much more quickly um, and has proven itself much more deadly. So this is not the flu. It's not the common not the flu. flu. So, and you said it, it attacks the is the respiratory system. Right. So absolutely. So primarily it lives in your respiratory system. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets into, you know, in through your nose, your mouth, your eyes, it sort of, you know, lives in your respiratory system. It can, you know, be really damaging to your lungs. Mm -hmm. um, it sort of then spreads the respiratory droplets from person to person. So coughing, sneezing, breathing in close contact with people sort of sends those little viral particles Mm -hmm. uh, into the person next to you. And so that, that's essentially how it spreads a lot, a lot of the same way that cold spread, right? If you, you know, if someone you live with has a cold and you're in each other's face and you're, you know, you're sharing drinks and you're, you're in close contact, mm -hmm. um, that that's often sort of how those viruses spread as well. So now that we understand where COVID-19 is, why is it so important for us to wear a mask in public? So, right. So, you know, the evidence has shown us sort of again and again that wearing a mask really does limit the spread. Mm -hmm. um, if you just think about it mechanically, like I just said, you know, spreading droplets as you breathe or as you cough or as you sneeze, um, you know, when you sneeze, you know, the, 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 the droplets from your sneeze can travel about a good six feet, right? So um, having a mask, having literally a physical barrier uh, from your, you know, that covers your face and sort of prevents things from, from moving out. Mm -hmm. um, has been shown time and time again to really uh, limit the spread of these respiratory viruses. Um, you know, but even before the pandemic during flu season, you know, we would tell patients if you're sick or not feeling well to put a mask on when you come into clinic or put a mask on when you come into the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, when people, you know, would be admitted with the flu, we would put masks on when we went into the rooms and ask them to wear a mask as well. This is all mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've known that, you know, wearing a mask uh, really does sort of limit the spread of these respiratory viruses. So this is why it's so important. It, you know, it's not, you know, some people maybe see mask wearing as, oh, you know, what is it really doing? And, you know, why do I have to do this? I prefer, you know, I can't, you know, I can't breathe well under it. You know, you can't hear what I'm saying under it. Right. Um, it's sort of, uh, you know, a lot of people I know, you know, sort of 
you know, view mask wearing as an inconvenience. Um, but again, I think we have to look at the bigger picture here is, is that we're living in a time where there's a really, you know, dangerous virus being spread uh, and wearing your mask uh, really is a way to sort of keep others around you safe because you're sort of preventing mm-hmm. what you are breathing out uh, into getting to them. And so I think it's, you know, it's more for the community that we do this <laughs> uh, more so than, you know, any other reasons people might have. So just being considerate of others along with yourself to keep yourself safe by wearing a mask. It really helps a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. Yep. Um, what are the latest uh, vaccines that's available now and what's the difference between them? Yeah. So there's three vaccines uh, on the market here in the United States. The, the first one that came out was the Pfizer vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that came out was a, was a vaccine by Moderna. Mm-hmm. And the third that sort of uh, came out shortly after was the um, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Mm-hmm. So the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine work using what's called mRNA. Okay. Um, and so to take a step back for a second uh, for the listeners, you know, when you get a vaccine, the whole point of a vaccine is to sort of give your immune system kind of a profile or give them a bit of an idea of what the virus is going to look like. Okay. And so when you get a vaccine, your immune system sort of sees the vaccine. It sees, you know, it's almost like a, um, a warrant for the arrest of this virus, right? So it sees... Yeah. The picture, Excellent. the name, Excellent. the description. Yeah. And now if that virus shows up, it's your immune system's ready to go. It's already been exposed. It knows it's, you know, if I see this, we're going to kill, right? Like we're going to go in there and go in for the kill. Um, and so these mRNA vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna, essentially what they do is you get the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body sort of gets accustomed and gets used to kind of what this virus is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you are ultimately exposed and you do in a, you know, contracting COVID, essentially your immune system is primed and ready to go. It's ready to strike mm-hmm. against the virus if you do um, ultimately get it. Um, for the Pfizer vaccine, uh, it's two doses. It was, um, it has been given three uh, weeks apart. Okay. The Moderna vaccine is also two doses. Um, typically have been about four weeks apart. Um, the first dose, you know, is sort of meant as a primer. And the second dose is really sort of meant for, you know, to give your body a second chance to really get exposed to the, what the virus looks like and be ready, you know, should you potentially get infection thereafter. Mm-hmm. We typically consider people immune two weeks after they've gotten the second dose. Mm-hmm. Um, the Johnson Johnson vaccine works a little differently. That is one shot. Um, and that one does not use an mRNA technology. Uh, that one uses um, what they call a viral vector. So it sort of uses a, it uses a different process to essentially get your immune system to see the virus, um, you know, and to be ready for it, you know, should you ultimately contract it. So it sort of is another opportunity, you know, an, another means mm-hmm. of getting your immune system ready to strike should you get exposed to the virus. Um, one thing I'll say about both these technologies, I know that uh, some of your listeners maybe are concerned about, you know, what's this new fancy technology they've got for these viruses. Uh, mRNA, using mRNA as, you know, a vector or using mRNA as a way uh, for, you know, vaccine production and and things like this. Uh, Technology wise, you know, this has been around for years. It's not anything terribly novel or new. Mm -hmm. They've sort of just found, you know, kind of a a new way to reuse sort of an old, um, an old way of doing it to sort of make it work for this vaccine. So uh, with both of these, the J&J vaccine and the Moderna and Pfizer, uh, there's not anything that new about the the actual way the vaccines work. Okay. Um, we've just, thankfully, um, we found a way to make this work uh, to protect people against COVID. So I just want to dig in just a little bit more about mm-hmm. the, the vaccine. So there's no microchips in it. It's, it's, no microchips. <laughs> <laughs> the 
governments are not using it to spy on us, to track us, anything like that. Nope. It's just good medicine here to, to fight the virus. Right. If people listening are that concerned about being tracked, they should think about what they carry in their pocket every day yes. in the version <laughs> of a cell phone. Yes. <laughs> you want to know about something that can track you and your location that you worry about, you know, if people are worried about that, yeah. uh, I hate to break it to you, but your cell phone is an is a easy way to track you. Um, so this vaccine, uh, in all seriousness, though, you know, this vaccine, there, you know, there's no microchip. Uh, there's no, you know, conspiracy to, yes. you know, kill people off or test on people. Right. Um, you know, we are, you know, at the time this vaccine came around, you know, we were, we are still in a lot of ways, um, really desperate. We're just desperate to find something to help combat this virus to, to you know, defeat this enemy. So, um, you know, but thank God for science. We, we uh, you know, they were able to sort of, you know, find this vaccine sort of in, in you know, rapid time, mm-hmm. manufacture it and deliver it. And I think we're seeing a lot of positive effects of this. Yes, yes, yes. Um, because they are vaccines and they are man-made, um, what are some of the side effects of the, uh, the vaccine? Yeah. So the most common side effects that uh, people have uh, once they get the vaccine, the, the one that I think probably most people will say if they've gotten it, uh, is some arm soreness. So sort of in the area where you got the vaccine, there tends to be a, a bit of a, a local inflammation in your arm. So you might have a bit of a sore arm for probably a few days after you gotten the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, the other effects that people get, the systemic effects that people may feel, um, some people get, you know, feel feverish. Mm-hmm. Um, fatigue is a pretty common symptom. People sort of just feel tired, like they just kind of want to, you know, lay down in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, some people get headaches. Uh, a small, you know, percentage of people may get some GI side effects that might feel a little nauseous or just sort of not feel so great. Okay. Um, you know, these effects uh, don't happen in everyone. Uh, and these effects are often very time limited. So, you know, you get the vaccine on a Monday, you may not feel well, maybe Monday night or into Tuesday morning. Um, and then often by sort of, you know, Tuesday night or Wednesday, uh, you odds are, are probably feeling a lot better. And what I advise patients to do you know, over-the-counter stuff, Tylenol, ibuprofen, Motrin, Aleve, any of those kinds of medications you use. If you're not feeling well, or you feel kind of achy or, you know, you're having, you know, a fever or headache, um, all those medications are safe to use. Uh, and they often, you know, people tend to feel a lot better after they sort of take one of those, um, you know, get some rest, stay hydrated, do all the things you'd normally do, you know, right. if you're not feeling great. Um, and then people, you know, it's very self-limited. People literally tend to recover within 24, 48 hours. People feel completely back to normal. Is it safe to say is, is, as if you're getting a flu shot, some of the same side effects as if you was getting your flu shot? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some people, you know, get a flu shot. They maybe don't feel so great for the first 24 hours or so. Uh, similar pattern here. Uh, you get the vaccine. Uh, you may not feel great. Um, what I try to remind people is, you know, this is just for a day. And I feel like I'd much rather have, you know, not feel great for a day than to have COVID and not feel great for weeks or months, or maybe not ever feel good again. Right. So I think it's a, it's a trade-off I was willing to take. I know everyone has to make their own call on this. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, people do have side effects. I think we can't lie and say, oh, it's all great. You know, no one ever doesn't, you know, no one ever feels bad after they've gotten the vaccine. Right. You know, there's some people who don't feel great, but again, it's, it's very time limited and um, people tend to feel better pretty quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, why is it so important for anyone to get the vaccine? That's a good question. Um, I think the two biggest reasons, uh, one is to protect yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, these vaccines have been shown um, to have efficacy in terms of preventing uh, people from getting hospitalized and dying. And I think it's important to distinguish that. Yeah. Uh, there are some people who think I got, you know, I heard someone got the vaccine, they still got sick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, when they did these trials, the, the, what they were looking for was from the people who got the vaccine, who ended up in the hospital and who ended up dying. And the numbers of people who ended up in the hospital and ended up dying were very, very low. So the efficacy of these vaccines is very high. People who got the vaccine, very small numbers of people will be in the hospital and super small numbers of people um, tend to, will die from it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, protecting yourself, I think is important. I think the other piece is really protecting those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, viruses mutate, right? So viruses, you know, get into your cells, they replicate, they make more copies of themselves. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that process, they can also make mutations. So some of these strains and some of these different variants we got are because COVID has had a chance to get into a lot of different people, mm-hmm. make some new mutations, and then become more contagious and sort of, you know, find a way to um, try to try to find a way to outsmart us in a way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you think about, you know, what vaccines do for you personally, that's great, but think about what it does for the community um, and sort of limiting the spread of this virus and sort of, you know, limiting, you know, this virus and getting to you and getting to other people around you and potentially creating new mutations that we now have to fight against. Um, so, you know, the vaccine is important for you. It's important for the people around you. Uh, all that, to add to that, I'll say, you know, as we said before, you know, wearing a mask, even yeah. when you're vaccinated, also important. Yeah. Um, so sort of those things all together um, are really how we're going to get past this and sort of, you know, go back to some sense of normal. Um, you know, the vaccines really give us a, the best opportunity to do that. So um, I would encourage everyone listening, uh, if you are thinking about it or you have questions, you know, seek out people, you know, professionals, mm-hmm. like physicians or people yeah. you really trust at least uh, to get their advice on this. But, you know, I think the only way we'll get back to any sense of normal is we have to get past this, this fact get past this virus and this vaccine really gives us the best chance to do that um here's another question for those who have kids uh is the vaccine safe for children yeah so the vaccine was approved um for ages 12 and up so for anyone who has any you know children sort of in the 12 up to 18 range um you know it is okay for them uh they were sort of included in some trials some subgroups and you know have been proven to be safe mm-hmm. uh for them for people with younger children which I include myself, we have a six-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, Pfizer recently applied for emergency use authorization for uh, the vaccine to be used in children. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, you know, hopefully by Halloween or maybe a little bit thereafter, this vaccine will be available for younger children. The data on this, again, just like the data for adults, showed high efficacy that this virus is safe um, to be used in children. Um, for what it's worth, for those who are listening, uh, the dosage of the virus is actually, I think, about a third um, lower, about a third of the dose that you give to adults, okay. um, because children typically, you know, have not, uh, typically don't need as much of the virus, need as much of the vaccine to really mount an immune response. So, mm-hmm. um, so children who will begin the vaccine when it's available, you know, hopefully in, in the coming weeks for ch- for smaller children, uh, will be getting sort of a small dose of the vaccine. They will, you know, amount an immune response. And, you know, this, I feel like for a lot of us, uh, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, uh, my wife and I are both vaccinated. We've been waiting for our children to get vaccinated. Uh, You know, I feel like, you know, we sort of have been trying to shelter and keep them safe. And, you know, you worry about your children getting sick. Yeah. Uh, And so, right. So, you know, the vaccines have been proven safe in children. 
Um, when those are available, I'd encourage everyone as well to, to please, you know, get your children vaccinated and protect them as well. Yeah, especially by the kids being in school and everything, it would help, you know, mm -hmm. community spread from happening there. I agree with Definitely. you. Um, well, as you was leading before, um, so people can understand what are the new strains of COVID? Yeah. So the one that has uh, made the most news is the Delta variant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when COVID, the first uh, sort of COVID strains that came around, uh, we you know, believe started sort of in Wuhan uh, in China, mm -hmm. uh, the Wuhan region in China, and then sort of spread kind of globally though after. Um, initially, there was a lot of, uh, when we sort of named the viruses, we were sort of naming them based on the kind of regions that you know, a certain variant kind of sprang up. So for a while there was like the South African variant, mm -hmm. um, you know, then there was the Indian variant. They sort of uh, gave them names based on location. Um, to be a, a little bit more sort of sensitive to kind of what that, um, you know, kind of naming it for a region, you know, mm -hmm. what that sort of might lead to. Right. Uh, they sort of decided, you know, probably, I guess maybe around a year ago or so to, to then sort of just give them names, you know, essentially going you know, down the Greek alphabet, uh, you know, is what they're basically doing now. So yeah. um, the, vi the variant that originally came from India has sort of been kind of renamed into, you know, the Delta variant. Um, and so this strain is one of a number of strains that are out there. It's the predominant strain here in the United States right now. Um, we do some testing at our hospital uh, periodically to sort of look at, you know, the patients we have are admitted for coronavirus, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of what strain of the virus do they have. And, you know, each time it's, it's gonna. It's the Delta variant. It's sort of the one that is uh, most, you know, prevalent here. Um, this variant is much more contagious. Again, this is sort of the virus's way of trying to, you know, kind of level up here and, and try to, you know, out with the, the vaccines and sort of out with um, what we're doing to prevent. So it became. It is now more contagious. Um, it's not entirely clear if it is more deadly, but there was some concern earlier on. Uh, and there's still sort of continued concern that this variant actually might even kill more people mm -hmm. than some of the earlier variants. Um, but, you know, this is sort of what I think, you know, if we don't sort of put an end to this, this is unfortunately what I feel like our future will sort of entail is um, today it's a Delta variant. Tomorrow it could be the Epsilon or it could be the Lambda or, could, you know, we can sort of yeah. work our way down the Greek alphabet, um, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I think we are really at a point now where we can, you know, hopefully uh, get this under control and really stamp this out for good. Um, you know, viruses and to be you know, completely honest, you know, viruses like this uh, don't necessarily all go away entirely. Not like they're vanquished from the earth. Right. Um, right. But they get so controlled or so um, their numbers and the number of people infected get so small that they sort of become, as my uh, one of my colleagues in infectious disease calls it, they sort of just become these annoying viruses that we sort of just test for, but really don't happen very often in our population, right? So that's that's where we kind of want to put COVID, right? Right, um, right. We want it to kind of be, you know, a virus that, you know, yeah, it's around a little bit here and there, but it, it's not one that's infecting, killing, you know, thousands and millions of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, I think, where we really want to relegate this virus. Um, but it's going to take some time, you know, I think, uh, we're in a better place uh, right now as we're talking. I hope that we're in a better place uh, mm -hmm. in the months to come. Uh, we've sort of seen these waves of the virus are sort of on the down, on the backside of uh, another wave that we sort of got um, here at the end of the summer, kind of into the early fall. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, Delta, you know, variant is sort of the strain, the prevalent strain here in the States. Um, and I think we have to do our part to make sure we don't do more of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I've been hearing this a lot, and I think a lot of people are hearing this a lot in the news also. What is exactly what they call, what, what, what is a, break, a breakthrough case of COVID? What, what is that? Right. So a breakthrough case of COVID uh, is essentially a COVID infection happens in a vaccinated person. Um, and so, uh, you know, if someone's been vaccinated, then contracts COVID, uh, tests positive for it, that's considered a breakthrough case. Mm-hmm. Initially, we believed and still do sort of believe that, you know, once you get the vaccine, the vaccine is to sort of help your body uh, fight coronavirus if you are exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, it attacks sort of these um, these spike proteins that are sort of on the, you know, around the capsule of the virus to kind of prevent it from really infecting you, really spreading. Um, so, you know, our, our thought is sort of, uh, you get exposed, you know, you sort of deal with it and you're hopefully not infectious, not going to contract it and spread it to other people. Mm-hmm. What we sort of have found over time um, is that people, um, you know, people do, uh, you know, do get infections even after they've had uh, the vaccine. But again, uh, those that get the infections typically do not end up in the hospital and do not die. Um, and so that is sort of some of the prevention. Um, but they, you know, in, you know, could potentially spread it if they are sick, you know, and are actually um, symptom-wise sick, um, mm-hmm. can continue to spread it. So this is again why, you know, wearing masks is important, even when you are vaccinated, um, to sort of control potential spread. Uh, there was advice probably, uh, I guess, about a month ago for people to get boosters. So um, for those of your listeners who got vaccinated maybe more than six months out with the Pfizer vaccine, which is the one that's been approved for a booster, if you're over the age of 65 or have certain medical conditions or immunocompromised, the recommendation is if you've had the vaccine greater than six, the second dose mm-hmm. more than six months ago is to go ahead and get a booster. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a booster last week uh, because they also added in healthcare workers and people with sort of high risk of exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a number of my colleagues, you know, me included, uh, we all went and got our vaccine, our booster vaccine, just to make sure, you know, if there is any uh, waning of our immunity, of our, you know, the antibodies that we built up when we got our vaccines, you know, at the end of last year, if any of that is uh, not as strong or robust as it could be, mm-hmm. that we really sort of give our immune system another shot to kind of build up those antibody levels again um, as we go into the winter. So um, that's uh, that's sort of the the story on breakthrough infections. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Doc, it's two questions um, I've been asking all my guests, and um, the first question is. is um, where did you garner or did find your love for helping people? Where did it originate? Where did it yeah. start for you? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I've always had a, uh, always wanted to kind of help people out. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where, where necessarily it all came from. Um, you know, I used to volunteer as a, as a kid, you know, as a high school student, I would do a lot of volunteering. Um, I feel like a lot of it probably came from my parents, uh, both of whom were uh, raised in the South, you know, were not yeah. raised with much, you know, moved out to California for new opportunities. And then, you know, that's sort of where uh, me and my sister uh, grew up. So I think a lot of that really came, um, I think, from good role modeling from my parents that, you know, they were always there to help others out. Yeah. Um, I know you, I know you are a chef. Uh, yeah. My mom uh, was from Louisiana and loved to cook. Yeah. Um, and so um, she would always say, you know, in her family, they didn't have a lot of money, but they always had food. And so people in the neighborhood, you know, so-and-so lost their job, their family. And so her mom would cook and bring her, you know, a pot of gumbo or bring her some, <laughs> some shrimp that they just, yeah. you know, threw together some crawfish and would bring, bring over food. So uh, I think for me, 
having that as a role model, I think growing up that, you know, you help out people around you. You don't, you know, these are people in your community. These are not strangers right. um, that you, that you're always kind of there for others. I think that that's where it's sort of got ingrained in me um, to just do that for people around you to not sort of turn a blind eye or pretend the problems people are not experiencing problems or challenges in their lives. Yeah. Uh, I love science as a kid. Um, I love science in medical and middle school and high school. So, you know, that sort of love of science and thinking about ways to kind of use that to help others uh, is sort of what kind of pulled me towards medicine. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely have to thank my parents, I think for a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of what made me want to, you know, have that desire to help others. I commend you, Doc. <laughs> I commend you. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't know that um, food brings people together. Um, mm -hmm. Unless they guard down from the open up that uh, it can bring healing. It can bring peace, and also it also about good memories around conversations or being around your loved ones. So that's the reason why I fell in love with cooking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the second question um, I've been asking a lot of my guests is, um, how has this pandemic been for you and your staff? You know, these in this past like year and a half, you know, yeah. dealing with it. Uh, how has yeah. it? Been? Uh, it's been hard. I'm not, <laughs> not even gonna lie. It's uh. Yeah. It, it has been a challenge. It's been um, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically, uh, it, it has been really hard. Um, you know, I tell, uh, I feel like I was kind of using this as a comparison to people the other day. Um, you know, you think about those movies, you know, those movies where, you know, there's some threat to humanity or some, you know, mm -hmm. aliens come from out of space or like this, you know, or, uh, you know, a movie that I feel was really relevant. I don't know if people saw this about 10 years ago, this movie called uh, contagion, uh, yeah. that essentially, I mean, you, if you watch it now, your, your jaw will drop because you'll literally think this movie predicted kind of what was, what was coming. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you think of these movies where, you know, there's some big threat to the human race and somehow at the end of the movie, the heroes find a way to, you know, deal with the enemy to defeat them and everything, you know, there's sort of the victory at the end where everybody, you know, is cheering and it's like, we're all over and then the credits roll and then we're good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so I'll be honest, you know, when the vaccines came out, uh, I was, that was where I was like, this is our moment. We got this vaccine, like roll the credits. <laughs> we can go cheer on the, yeah. cheer on the mountaintop. Like we got this, we, we defeated the enemy. Yeah. Um, and then now it feels like we're in a bad sequel. It just feels like, you know, I thought we were there and then you just saw that, you know, we were on a good roll. And then unfortunately things just, you know, sure. people getting vaccinated, people were like, it just, everything just sort of fell apart around, you know, I'd say about midsummer, you know, things sort of fell apart again. So yeah. um, that is hard, I think, for a lot of us in the medical profession, because, uh, you know, I was there, you know, we were, we've been there on the front lines. We've, you know, been there in the hospital. We've seen, I've seen patients die alone. I've, you know, I've helped wheel in the iPads. So they can talk to their loved ones. Yeah. You know, I've sort of seen a lot of this firsthand and, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a long road. And I think a lot of us, you know, I was mentally prepared for a year of this. I wasn't really prepared for two years of this or even three years of this. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for parents out there, I wasn't prepared for my kids to have to go through, you know, another year of this. They're, you know, five and six and they're still pretty young and might not remember a lot of this. Um, but I know there are a lot of people out there who have kids who are older who will all remember this. There are kids who miss graduations and proms and missed other important events in their lives. There are people right. who miss important things in their lives. So um, all to say, this has been um, hard for a lot of us in the in the medical profession. Um, I know it's been hard for you know people in your field as well with you know restaurants and you know and things like that. It's just 
this has been hard for a lot of people, um, but, you know, I am an eternal optimist and I'm hopeful that, you know, we will get past this um, and that hopefully in the coming years, uh, some, you know, whatever our new normal is, yeah. uh, which hopefully is not this, <laughs> hopefully our new normal will be more like our old normal, but I'm hopeful at some point we'll get past this um, and move on. Well, questions, you know, that I've been having conversations with my wife, you know, about she's being a nurse and stuff like that. She was like, it's like really tough. You know, especially on you guys, because y'all the front line, y'all actually dealing with the patients that, that really get sick. And um, a lot of people are not taking this seriously. It, and, and that's my hope with this, you know, with this interview, that people actually take this virus and this pandemic seriously and do what you have to do to take care of yourself, to stay healthy, because it's important. Like, cause, you know, I, um, I had a loved one that passed from COVID and they wasn't vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So it's just like really serious that, you know, people take this take this seriously you know do deal due diligence if you have questions reach out there you know you can reach out to dr childs um he left us uh what's your twitter handle again dr childs md <laughs> um, dr childs md <laughs> like if you have questions just ask because i'd rather you have your questions answered than you just going by assumption or what you've seen on social media that may not actually be true um well this is the last question i have for you dr child uh -huh. um, what is the one thing that you would like to leave with us regarding COVID-19 and vaccine that most people may not be aware of? Yeah, um, you know, there's, there's probably a lot that uh, that people are, are aware of. I think, um, you know, we've been in this COVID struggle for so long that <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to have any new, um, <laughs> new, new breaking information for whether they sort of didn't already uh, maybe know about COVID or vaccines or sort of how to prevent it. Um, but, you know, again, to sort of go back to what we said before, you know, again, something else I'll tell people is like, you know, I'm over this, like I'm over this, this whole yeah. COVID thing, but it's not over. Right. So, um, you know, a lot of us are over it. <laughs> we want to, we want to move on. We want to, you know, we want to have holidays this, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We want to have people in our house. Mm -hmm. We want to feel like old times. We want to, you know, we want to do all that. Um, but again, uh, it's not over yet. And unfortunately, you know, we, we probably have a little bit more ways to go. So um, resilience, uh, wellness, I think whatever, um, you know, whatever people, you know, do to make sure that you stay physically healthy, stay spiritually healthy, stay, you know, stay in this. Um, because again, we still have a ways to go. So I think um, everyone's resilience and endurance, uh, it's all going to be tested. Uh, but everyone just has to kind of stay in this fight. And we can't, we can't let our guard up. Right. Uh, we've come this far. This is not the mm -hmm. time to sort of throw everything to the wayside and say, oh, I'm, I'm done. This is good. You know, it's the holidays. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go ahead and do, you know, let's have, you know, everybody over and mm -hmm. no mask and, you know, no vaccines. Let's just let everybody in the house and, you know, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> we, really, we really have to, you know, mm -hmm. and then you'll find out two weeks later, oh, you know, grandma got sick or somebody got sick. Yeah. Um, so, so again, just, you know, people don't let your guard up, uh, vaccinated or not. You know, I still wear a mask when I go into, into buildings. Yeah, um, I've now had three shots. <laughs> so um, just you have to stay in this fight. This is, you know, we're probably in the middle rounds, maybe the last, hopefully better rounds. But, um, you know, you just got to stay in this and, and just, you know, don't let your guard up. Keep the fight up. Yes. Doc, I want to thank you for coming on today's show, sharing your wisdom, your knowledge with our listeners. Hopefully someone, you know, got what they needed to make it, you know, an educated decision for themselves. 